Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools the more you gave up? Call us the tricks of your trade! Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter? Don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade! Hello, welcome to episode 24 of the Tricks of Your Trade podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Serson, construction adjudicator, lawyer and director of Tricks of Your Trade. Well, in case you missed it, last week, Julian Hems from Aston Consult and I did a webinar together on how to claim delay costs under your construction contract. And if you would like to watch the entire webinar, you can head to our website, www.tricksofyourtrade.com.au and I have uploaded it into the webinar gallery. Uh, But in this podcast, I wanted to give you a little bit of an overview of uh, what we talked about in that webinar, but also how you might claim delay costs under your construction contract and what to look out for if you hope to. Now, this podcast is by no means a substitute for watching the webinar, which we delved into much more detail about the intricacies of claiming delay costs under your construction contract. But the real reason that I think that subcontractors need to be thinking about these things is it's a double-edged sword. So, or should I say, you get cut twice if you don't look after yourself in terms of delay costs, because not only are you not claiming for remuneration for additional work or time spent or costs incurred at a construction project, you're also taking on additional liability for not mitigating against liquidated damages or delay claims by your builder on you. Now, wouldn't it be a wonderful world if we didn't have to worry about such things? Unfortunately, it does seem to be that uh, tier two and three and even tier one commercial builders in this country are one trick ponies when it comes to liquidated damages and um, delay costs and wherever they are losing an argument with you about potentially they might want to pay you a variation or there might be other costs that have come up that they need to offset under their contract. It is still a pretty common practice for builders to try to apply liquidated damages at the end of the job to offset unexpected costs that they've incurred throughout the project. And it may not even be unexpected costs that they had to pay you. It could be that they had to pay for, say for example, they had to do some demolition at the start of the job. They found asbestos. They didn't think that they had asbestos to deal with. And so from the very start of the job, they were behind the eight ball. Lo and behold, they get to the end of the project and they need to find some cash because they haven't made enough money on the job. And we have been seeing uh, one particular builder around southeast Queensland applying liquidated damages carte blanche across all of their subcontractors at the end of the job and it's usually a $5,000 each job or a $10,000 each and we've seen as much as $25,000 taken off each subcontractor. So I'm not talking about boogeyman type stuff that will never happen to you. I'm talking about stuff that's happening every single day and we are getting calls about it frequently. No less than one a fortnight a call about somebody who has had liquidated damages taken off them uh, for something and they want to know how to get it fixed. 
So it's not so easy to fix at the end of the job. Unfortunately, if you want to mitigate against delay costs and liquidated damages, you have to do it throughout the job. And ideally, the very best time to mitigate in the most uh, impactful way is when you sign the contract itself. So there are some elements to proving up getting uh, paid for delay costs under your contract. And that's what I had intended to make this podcast about. I don't want to get too roped into talking about liquidated damages. But what I'm getting at there is that I really see it as like a good, better, best type scenario where it would be good if you could, as a very bare minimum, mitigate against liquidated damages. Even better would be if you set yourself up with your paperwork so that on every single job, you have got the underlying evidence that you need to prove up a delay cost claim. Uh, and that is, you know, a better practice to approach it. And then the very best um, scenario would be that you have mitigated against delay costs and liquidated damages. You've got all of your substantiating evidence for any delays that you might want to claim. And you administer your contract to the black and white letter of the contract as you go throughout the job so that If you do decide to claim delay costs at some point throughout the project, you have uh, done so in accordance with the contract. Now, I know a lot of you will already be thinking that this is unicorn fairy dust type stuff where subbies just don't get paid for delay costs. And if you do try and push the envelope for delay costs, then you will inevitably probably never get work with that builder again. Let me just remind you in the moment who it is that you actually work for. And putting aside the fact that the builder is likely to have an entitlement to get paid themselves under the head contract for the very same delay, if it's done properly and if you notify them within time, um, even if you just look at it from a whose problem is this perspective, if all of the subcontractors in our industry continuously subsidise builders' shortfalls, problems, delays, by absorbing the cost of delay costs at your end of the contract chain, nothing will ever change. So collectively, by all of you making the decision not to do it, you have made your bed. And now we are in a situation where you do get some argy-bargy pushback from the builder if you are claiming for delay costs. What I would say is that there is a way to have that conversation with your builder and not burn the relationship. The other thing that you should keep in mind is that the hefty contract provisions that you've likely been signed up to were written by your builder or written by your builder's lawyer or they're likely to be standard contract provisions that were written by lawyers for builders because A lot of times, uh, the organisations and the entities that create these contracts, their members are builders and they know that builders will be the ones who will purchase the licence for the contract document. And so they make it attractive for the builder when they do that. So at the crux of it, yes, you probably are on the um, unbalanced end of whether or not your contract terms are fair. But I've yet to see a contract that says that the subby does not have to notify the builder when there's a delay. In fact, those delay notification provisions are in there for a very good reason. And if you strip back all the bullshit and think about it in a common sense way, the reason they're there is so that the builder can take the delay away. They can take steps to remove the delay from from the problem. So if you're sitting back on your laurels thinking, I can't tell the builder that we're delayed because he'll get upset... 
on the contrary, your builder is relying on you to tell, to tell them about the delay. Now, if you don't, you could be contributing to the delay and you could be compromising not only your ability to get delay costs under the contract, but also the builder's ability to get delay costs under the contract. Now, if you do want to start looking at your construction contracts and contemplating how you can get paid for delay costs, the very first thing you're going to need is actually a contractual right to claim an extension of time for whatever it is that is delaying you from completing your work. So you need a contractual right to delay costs and there's a few steps to getting there, right? So the first step is you need a right to an extension of time for that type of delay. Now you need to actually administer your contract. This is step two. So you need to actually administer your contract uh, in accordance with the notice provisions for a delay and a claim for an extension of time. And so once you have effectively triggered that right to an extension of time under the contract, usually your right to delay costs will flow from that extension of time. So there will be a provision about uh, whether or not you're entitled to delay costs under the contract, and you will need to read uh, each and every one of your contracts to take into consideration those specific terms because Delay costs are a hot topic for lawyers and builders when they are looking at protecting the builder from unexpected costs. And so it's very likely that they're going to put a few hurdles in your way so that they don't make it really easy for you to get delay costs. Now, an interesting little tidbit of information for you, if you are using any of the Master Builders Queensland subcontract documents, uh, so if your builder has given you a Master Builders Queensland sub subcontract, uh, you are very likely to have some pretty decent rights to delay costs under that contract. So that, um, that is one of the exceptions to these industry organisations that heavily favour the builders. I have to give credit where credit's due. Master builders with their subcontractors recognise that they do have subbies as members as well. And so the master builder's subcontract document is quite pro-subby in that regard. Now there's a couple more steps. So step one is that you've got to have a contractual right to a extension of time. Step two is you need to actually claim your extension of time properly under the contract. Um, step three, you've essentially got to have a right to delay costs that flow from the, that extension of time. Step four is that you've got to claim the uh, claim for delay costs in accordance with the contract and not be time barred. And step five is that you need to calculate your delay costs in accordance with the method for calculating delay costs under the contract. Now, if there's no method prescribed under the contract, then I would recommend that you adopt an account of costs method where you would keep evidence of what costs are uh, and you would essentially create an account of costs that substantiate where you arrived at your figure from. Now, again, caveat on you really do need to check your contract for that because in a lot of the um, Australian standard subcontract conditions, solicitors have put in provisions where the delay costs are capped at a daily rate. And it could be that you're entitled to delay costs in the general conditions of the contract in accordance with the rate per day. And then when you get to the Part A schedule, the daily rate is $0 or it's $1 a day or something so ridiculous that it's not actually going to help you at all. Now, if you do need assistance putting together a delay cost claim, I would recommend that you do talk to Julian Hems from Aston Consult. 
Julian's got decades of experience quantifying delays, interpreting construction programs, um, identifying what's the delay cost, what's the disruption cost, and so on and so forth. And you really will be in a much better position if you get some early advice on this type of stuff. Now, typically when it comes to going to meet with your builder cap in hand and talk about delay costs, you'll usually just get one bite of the cherry when it comes to cutting that deal. And I do always recommend to our clients in particular that when they are negotiating contract terms at the very start of the job, um, before they have cut a deal on anything at all, they should start that narrative with talking to the builder about how much, how, um, what the rate for liquidated damages are in the contract. And if it is quite a large arbitrary amount and there's no wiggle room for any kind of negotiation, that's where we start saying to the builder, well, look, you need to understand if we can't get this figure down and, and mitigate against this risk, I'm going to have to administer the contract to the letter so that we just don't have to worry about being stung with LDs at the end of the job. And so if you start having the conversation from the post-tender interview, your contracts administrator won't be surprised when you start to send in your notices of delay and your claims for extension of time. But the technical side of a delay cost claim where you've substantiated your account of costs and you've worked out your number of days, that technical aspect is just as critical as whether or not you're entitled under the contract and whether or not you've given the right notices in the right timeframes. If you want to have a credible delay cost claim that is um, gets the builder's attention and makes them come to the party to talk and discuss with you, you can't really be taking a stab in the dark or a guesstimate at those types of things. And I have seen subbies in the past who have had a contractual right to delay costs, but when they put together their delay cost claim, they either go a bit silly on what they're trying to claim or they just do blanket um, broad brush amounts and they don't substantiate what they're actually trying to claim. They really undermine all of their hard work in administering their contract and making sure they've got a right to claim the costs in the first place. There's one really interesting analogy that I like to use when we think about um, subbies carrying the can for builders who've got a project that's being delayed. And I'd love for you to stop for a minute and think what you would do in your business if you were a cab driver and you had a client who said, can you take me to um, one particular area of town? And you said, no problem. And you gave them quote for the rate um, for the journey. And then lo and behold, they want to take the scenic route that's going to take an extra four or five or six times as long as you first anticipated that it would. Now, <clears throat> it actually is relative to what you guys are doing on site with your construction work. If you think of it in terms of being a cab driver, how can you carry the cost of taking the scenic route for your builder when you could have been out there earning money with other clients in that time? I would hazard a guess that it's likely that the cab driver might actually go broke sooner than you guys would. Uh, but in terms of scale, we could be worlds apart. I'm sure that you're turning over much more than a cabbie is, but we all have a finite amount of time in which to earn money. And if we can't scale that, and we are sitting on site with a builder who's got an idle project, 
you are subsidizing his problem. And if you're not claiming your delay costs, there is every chance that he is actually claiming his from the principal and he's not sharing any of that money with you. So if you take anything away from this podcast, uh, think about the good, better, best scenario. Can you be good at mitigating your risk for liquidated damages? And by doing that, we're going to be notifying of delays and claiming extensions of time. If that is the only thing that you do as a result of listening to this podcast, it's very likely that you will save yourself potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars in your lifetime uh, by avoiding liquidated damages. Now, this is that old chestnut where subbies don't believe in the value of things that they can't see. And it's like when you are out surfing and you might have the potential to be bitten by a shark, but there was no shark if you didn't see the shark. And so you carry on life thinking that you have no risk of ever being bitten by a shark because you haven't seen one, but you won't necessarily always see the shark that didn't bite you. One thing that I am a fan of is shark nets. I would be much happier having a safety net and knowing that I can go out and be in business and I've got my bases covered. That is what giving notices of delay and claiming extensions of time essentially does for you in your business. It mitigates against that baseline risk. Now, the better scenario, if you can go one better than just giving giving your notices of delay and claiming your extensions of time, the better scenario is nesting your evidence, having all of the the documentation in place for uh, as if you are going to claim all of your delay costs from your builder as you go, Um, but you would essentially be nesting your evidence to back up your position. That would be better than just administering a contract to mitigate against liquidated damages and delay costs. Now, the very, very best scenario is that you give all of your notices of delay, you claim your extensions of time, you gather your evidence for your delay, you claim your delay costs claim from your builder, and you give them all of the substantiating documentation uh, with relation to the delay, and you wait to see what they do. That is the very best standard of contract administration that I can recommend to you. And if you do it contemporaneously, and that's a fancy word for saying, do it at the time that it occurs, don't leave it until the end of the job. If you leave it till the end of the job, the builder will behave as if you've ambushed him. But if you claim your delay costs throughout the job as you go, and if there is any uh, point at which you want to back down from that or you decide that you don't really need to see that money after all because you want to have a fantastic relationship with your builder and you guys are friends, then you are at a position of strength to walk back from. And that would be the very best starting point for you at the end of the project is if the builders either approved your delay cost claim because he was getting one too uh, under the head contract or even better, he's used your delay cost claim to assist him in obtaining a a delay cost claim from the principal at the head contract level. You've extended time under your contract so that you're not at risk for liquidated damages um, or a delay claim on you by your builder. And you've got an account of costs that is 100% reflective of the actual delays that you've incurred, or it is calculated in a way that is prescribed under the construction contract. And that could be a formula Uh, It could be a rate per day, and it will depend on the contract that you've got. 
If you have any questions about what I've talked about on this podcast, feel free to drop me a good old-fashioned email at questions at tricksofyourtrade.com.au. If you would like a systematic approach to your contract administration and getting paid, head on over to our website and check out the Subbies Toolbox. You won't be disappointed there. And just one last time, our web address is www.tricksofyourtrade.com.au. To the darkest farm side, keep you up late at night. Are you sick of pushing boats? Swinging your tools, boy, you gave up. Call us the tricks of your trade. Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider work as smarter. Don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade.